everybody, and welcome to the Extra Rounds podcast. My name is Mike Dice. I'm Elias Cepeda. This is our final show of 2016. Uh, it's been six months, I think, we've been doing this yeah. show. So crazy. Uh, this is, I think, technically the 24th episode. We're going to talk about UFC 207 and uh, break down Ronda Rousey's return and everything that's going to happen between Dominic Cruz and Cody Garbrandt in their title fight. Uh, if you have any comments, you want to ask a question for us to discuss, you can feel free to do so in the comments below. Um, we'll also have Alex Chambers calling in. We're going to have try and connect with her. She's overseas in Australia. Yep. So that makes things a little bit challenging. She can talk about her uh, teammate Amanda Nunes' fight against Ronda Rousey, the maybe most forgotten fighter on UFC 207. And then <laughs> Alan Jaban's going to actually try to call in, but he's driving through some mountains. So Yeah, he was out with the family in Big Bear, California. Generous with his time. We'll see if we can get the reception to work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we're optimistic, but, you know, we understand how things go. <laughs> so anyways, UFC 207 right around the corner. Are you surprised that Amanda Nunes hasn't gotten the attention that she deserves? Unfortunately, I'm not that surprised. Uh, the, the UFC usually promotes a select few regardless of status. Of course, Amanda Nunes is the defending champion. Um, and and uh, she's also obviously in the shadow fame-wise of Ronda Rousey. So... The UFC's easy promotional angle is the return of Ronda Rousey. Uh, that comes at the expense of the actual champion, current champion. But, uh, yeah, I'm not super surprised, Mike. I kind of I kind of expected whoever she faced in whatever circumstance she faced them, when, when and if she came back, would, would not get as much attention. So the promotion, Joe Rogan's spoken out about it. Is that maybe more surprising that Joe Rogan was so open about you know, if you yeah, it was remarkable. I think uh, Joe Joe was honest at time. You know, like he uh, he picks a spot. So he's always been open talking about other promotions, even back when the UFC was very much uh, feuding or or at least in competition with uh, Pride FC. He would talk openly about Pride fights and Pride fighters and things of that nature. So I think you know Joe's a, a part of a big apparatus now, but uh, he picks his spots. He speaks his mind, especially especially since he's got his own airwaves, so to speak. He's got his podcast. The Joe Rogan Experience is one of the biggest podcasts in the world of any type. So it's it would be surprising more. I mean, it, maybe it would be more surprising if he says it like on the air on Saturday or Friday, I should say, at UFC 207. He might. He probably would. Uh, but, yeah, given that he's he's talking so much, I, uh, I, I like hearing it. It's definitely worth remarking on. But, uh, I, you know, I, I've seen Joe. We've all seen and heard Joe. Uh, say some stuff or make criticisms at times of the UFC when he thinks appropriate. Yeah. Well, we uh, wanted to try something a little bit different when we were looking at this fight instead of just kind of casually talking about it. Um, of course, we'll answer any questions if you mention in the comments. We kind of wanted to break it down and do these lists, these kind of power rankings, uh, kind of change things up. That way we're talking about the fights, but it's just not us discussing it. There's kind of a little bit of a method to our madness and uh, kind of a different little, I don't want to call it a gimmick, but a, <laughs> a gimmick. So... Um, let's get right into it with our power rankings. So the first one we want to do, you want to start off with your top five? We, yeah. we each did two, to break this down for everybody, we each did two top five lists. Uh, I did fighters to watch uh, on the card. You did things to watch. So mm -hmm. we can start with yours right off the bat. Okay. So let's start at number five and sure. uh, work our way down towards the uh, cool. uh, number one. So number five, what's your? Yeah, so uh, number five t top thing to, to look for at UFC 207 for me, Mike, is uh, 
Ronda Rousey's post-fight reaction, win or lose, right? We've seen her still be fired up after a win against Misha Tate, refusing to shake hands. You know, they had a long-running feud. Um, you know, in her last fight, she, she got knocked out, so understandably wasn't around talking and giving interviews. It's probably a better idea that she get that she get uh, checked out medically. But it'll be interesting to see. I don't know who to pick in this fight. I think either woman can win. And it'll be interesting to see what Ronda Rousey does and says afterwards, one way or the other. Will she retire if she wins? If she loses, uh, will she call someone out if she wins? Uh, if she loses, will she speak to the media afterwards? Will she not? I'm very curious. Well, see, she put so much blame on the media for mm-hmm. her absence, like that the media turned on her. But the media is just – that's just how it, it kind of goes, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But um, – I think Conor McGregor like really laid out the blueprint. Like he mm. lost, he got choked out at UFC 196 by a guy who took the fight on two weeks' notice. Right. Um, and he's a guy who talks a lot of trash, which makes it even worse. Ronda Rousey doesn't necessarily talk trash mm-hmm. as much as Conor does, but like when you talk so much trash about like I'm going to beat you right. in this way and whatnot, like I feel like you're more compelled to retreat into your shell, so to speak. Sure. But he didn't. He went to the press conference, and mm-hmm. I'll remember you were there, right? Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, he sat there. Nate Diaz showed up late. He sat there. Right. Nate Diaz walked in right past him. He sat there, uh, kind of acknowledged him by turning and watching him walk by. Sure. And then um, listened to everything Diaz had to say and sat there and took it and didn't turn it into trash talking like Rockhold Bisping right. at UFC 199. He listened to what he had to say, and if he was asked a question, he answered it. Otherwise, he sat there quietly. And, you know, say what you would about Conor McGregor, as cocky as he is, he he sat there and took it and then – turned around and got right back in the cage and he's controlled mm-hmm. the narrative and it hasn't hindered him at all he the, you know right. that's, that's the blueprint yeah no i think so and i and i think it's it's all in the it's all in the doing right let's it, it, he after after immediately he definitely did that but then afterwards he also tried to limit his media accessibility but in the immediate aftermath he was able to do it so i think i think he's gotten a taste of of how difficult it can be for someone like ronda rousey uh, but yeah, it would be nice, assuming she's healthy enough, one way or the other afterwards, as she comes out and, and does that. Not for media's sake, but for her sake, like you said, then you can control the narrative. Right. It's just, you know, almost at that point, smart to, yeah. to do things that way. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Um, all right. Number four? Yeah, let's go on. All right. Uh, number four, top thing I'm looking for looking for uh, at, at this Friday's UFC 207 is Dominic Cruz's takedowns. Dominic Cruz is a phenomenal striker. He uses really shifty head movement. He's always hitting angles with his feet. He's very elusive, and he's a great striker offensively as well. I think we'll, we can see some more attempts than usual at takedowns from Dominic Cruz. He's a phenomenal wrestler. Usually he gets a takedown when he goes for it, no matter who he's going against, even if it's Uriah Faber. Um, I think he's a better striker than Cody Garbrandt, but Cody Garbrandt's always a threat when he's got that type of power. And now you've got 25 minutes where you got to not get hit by a single big shot. That's tough. I think Dominic Cruz is going to look to give him angles on the feet, but he's also going to try to put Cody Garbrandt on his back as often as possible. So this one I find really interesting mm-hmm. because, for those of you who don't know, uh, Garbrandt has a history – of wrestling. Yeah. He was a wrestler in high school, won a state championship as a freshman. Yeah, he's a great wrestler. He is. So, you know, and I don't think that a lot of people, when they think of Cody, uh, Dominic Cruz, they think of him as a fighter who's taking things to the mat mm-hmm. and uh, wrestling a lot. You know, yeah. you think of the head movement, the elusiveness, the feet, you know, Anderson Silva almost right, like, right. leaning back, dodging punches. So the takedowns you think yeah. are key. You think 
cruise as opposed to trying to go the you can't hit me route. It's going to just go to the ground to avoid. I think he'll do both. And I think he'll be more open to going for the takedown against uh, a power hitter like Garbin than he is against most people. I mean, Dominic Cruz added all that striking on top of a collegiate wrestling career skill uh, set. He's a wrestler first and foremost, just like Cody Garbrandt and Uri Faber were wrestlers before they were anything else. Um, just like TJ Dillashaw, who also has really great striking now, right? They were wrestlers first. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if only to keep him guessing, if only to keep, like, you know, like we saw Cain Velasquez outstruck Junior Dos Santos in, in you know, two of their fights, uh, but he also mixed in takedown attempts. Yeah, the, the takedown score, yeah, you can do some damage there, but it's just also just to keep your opponent, uh, opponent guessing. Uh, especially, and, and to keep him working. Uh, you know, Cody Garbrandt hasn't had to go three rounds but once in his career. He's never had to go five rounds. So I think I think Cruz is going to keep him guessing as where his offense is going to come from. I think if Co- if Cody go overcommits to any one of his big power shots, Cruz will definitely look to duck under, and he'll definitely look to make uh, Cody get up and down and, and, you know, back and forth the tiring him out. So I'm, yeah, I'm guessing. I mean, I don't think he's – scared of Cody Garbrandt I think he probably has a healthy he fear just of smart him. yeah if I had to guess I think he'll be he'll the fact that he knows that people don't think of him as, as a wrestler at this point and I, I wouldn't be surprised if well, he looks for it home wasn't scared when she continued to jab and circle right and Rousey right she just knew that those you don't want to play into her wheelhouse like you exactly don't have to prove your dominance by beating your opponent at what they're best at or um totally. that being said you mentioned him ducking under when Garbrandt swings. Is yeah. that the main way you see him take down, as opposed to like trying to back him up against the cage, uh, go from the clinch takedown, you, or you know, you see Good him question. shooting when he comes over? I see. I, I would guess, and he, he very well surprised me. Dominic Cruz is still a young dude, and he he gets better every fight. I see him shooting from uh, uh, near the center of the ring, offensively or defensively, so reactively or, or, or proactively. So I see him happening off of. You know, off of maybe taking advantage of an overextension on a big punch from Cody Garbrandt. But I also see him doing it off of an angle. So if, if Cruz can throw a punch, a few punch combination, and then angle out, that, that sets him up for another strike, but also sets him up for his own shot. And we've seen him do both. We've seen him punch his way in, change levels, and do a blast double like he did to uh, Takeo Mizugaki. Um, I think he could do it. I, could, I think he could, he could um, go for the take on reactively or, or proactively, so off of his own punches or off of his opponents. And I. Don't I see him doing it in free range, not so much in the clinch, but he could surprise me. Okay, well let's uh let's move on to number three. Cool on your list. Yeah, so uh, and, nope. I, and again for those just uh, oh, yeah. checking in, we're doing uh, five things to watch for at UFC 207. We're up to number three, and the the number three on my list of things to look for is Amanda Nunes's footwork and her ability to get up off the mat if needed. I talked with two of her coaches and some of her teammates. And when I asked them, do you think she's going to be able to stop the takedown? They're confident, yes. Uh, but they're confident specifically because of her footwork. They believe that she's going to start the takedown defense way before there's ever any contact with Ronda Rousey. They're going to, she's going to start it with having really good footwork, keeping her distance, hitting angles, um, like Holly Holm, like you mentioned Holly Holm's performance. Holly Holm did a similar thing. When they were in the clinch, she had good hips, but she really made it difficult for Ronda to even get in there. Uh, so I'm going to be looking to see if they're right, if Amanda – the champion can use her footwork, uh, not just her big punching power, right? Uh, her footwork to, to stay away from Ronda, Roundy, Ronda Rousey's uh, real A-game area. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's important, her footwork, being able to, you know, like you said, with the Holly Holm thing, that's going to mm-hmm. be key. And she has good footwork, so it's, uh, it's an intriguing matchup for sure. It is. Um, well, let's keep moving. Let's go on to number two. Cool. Number two on my list for UFC 207 things to look for. 
is Cody Garbrandt's patience and conditioning. We touched on his conditioning earlier. I don't know that he doesn't have patience in the ring. I don't know that he can go five rounds. We haven't seen him do it yet. So it's going to be very interesting if he doesn't, if no one gets an early knockout, if he doesn't get another first-round finish like he usually does, can he stay in it physically and mentally? Um, is he going to give Dominic Cruz opportunities because he gets too eager, uh, he gets daunted by the moment, or is he going to get worn down faster than his, his older his older uh, opponent will be. That's going to be very interesting to see if we go into the third round, the fourth, the fifth. Is he going to, you know, the different ways he can wear down his conditioning? Is he going to punch himself out like yeah. Dillashaw going crazy, swinging after him and landing less than 30% of his strikes? Is he going to punch himself out looking for that big thing? In a lot of ways, a lot of people said McGregor punched himself out against Diaz at 196. Mm. Um, are we, is he going to get uh, wrestled and worn down mm. over rounds? Or like if Cruz goes for the takedowns like you think he will? Um, there's lots of ways that he could have his conditioning test tested. Uh, patience is another thing. You know, he's he's eager, and the trash talk's been built up, yeah. and I think that always plays to that. But I think Cody, he's uh, like we talked about this last week. I think he's more patient than he seems, um, especially like in that interview when he's constantly trying to interrupt Dominic Cruz when he's talking. Uh, I don't think that speaks for his patience, but I think <laughs> right. he's more patient than that um, indicates. So. It'll be interesting. But, you know, they always say that. We always say that whenever it's somebody's first five-round fight. Mm-hmm. Like, can they go five rounds? Yeah. Can they go five rounds? But when was the last time you remember seeing somebody fighting in a five-round fight for the first time go past the third round and thought, man, they weren't conditioned? Well, yeah. it's a relative thing. I think I we don't see it where they just, like, start flopping and look miserable and want out of the fight. But their opponent, and Demetrius Johnson is really great at this, he'll keep the same pace for the whole fight. Mm -hmm. And so if you're not moving at the same clip uh, with the same type of uh, intensity as your opponent, you just dipped a little bit, like understandably. Right. They're going to make the difference. Yeah, a little slower in the reaction. Yeah, just exactly. It's not like we've seen people just like vomiting now. (laughs) Like they're amazingly conditioned, but it might just, there's little margins in there, you know? Yeah. I mean, you could point to Demetrius Johnson's fight against uh, Tim Aleda, the tough man. Yeah, very true. You know, Elliot came out really strong, and a lot of people thought he was going to give uh, Demetrius Johnson or could potentially beat him. But yeah. as the fight wore on, it was just DJ just took over. Exactly, yeah. All right. Well, number one on your list. Cool. Number one on my UFC 207 things to look for, Ronda Rousey's head movement and level changes, or lack thereof. We haven't seen much head movement from her in her striking. She punches really fast and, and knees and, and, and really hard. She's She's got some power in there. She's got good hands she doesn't move her head yet uh she's pretty upright it's a pretty stationary target for really good strikers like it was for holly Holm. you got to be really really good to take advantage of it um and she also doesn't change levels very much on her takedown attempts most of them are clinches upper body clinches she has amazing judo trips and throws and they've worked on everyone except for holly home and um you know we saw ronda not find success with takedowns against holly's home we saw a wrestler misha tate find success yet Misha Tate was thrown around by Ronda Rousey you know a lot in in their two fights so it's it's about styles and Ronda Rousey is dominant with her style of takedowns but she doesn't mix it up she has yet to mix up the levels she doesn't show a shot she doesn't even show a little partial a level change and and shoot in for like you know uh, double leg takedowns Uh, you know and maybe she shouldn't but it'll be interesting to see if they've mixed up her, her 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 takedown attempt game if and if she's gotten better with her head movement be a little bit more of a of a moving target, especially for a good puncher like Nunes. Well, that's the thing about Rousey is she would always just push forward. Yeah, she, 
she could eat a couple punches because she was ending this fight in 30 seconds. Yeah, like yeah. she would eat a couple punches. She'd get her hands on you and you were done. And True. that was it. Yeah. She learned again. Uh, well, I'm assuming she learned against home that they right. can't do that. So, um, you would hope she's worked on head movement, but that's, what's so interesting about this fight is like, we have, you know, it's hard to make a prediction Yeah. because we have no idea where Rousey's out. We have <laughs> exactly. no idea what she's what she's worked on, what she hasn't worked on. Very true. Because we haven't been able to talk to her. We haven't seen her. There were no open workouts, I believe, mm-hmm. for this one. So we haven't seen her demonstrate any new abilities. Right. Um, we know that she's been working with a boxer. So I would assume that factored in there. Right, but right. We, like, we have no idea. Is she the same fighter? Is yeah. she added new skills? Is there, you know, we have no idea. Yeah. So it's... She's this enigma now, you know, yeah. it was like, we knew everything about her and now <laughs> going into 193. Now we know nothing. Yeah, that's very true. Um, so, but yeah, that's important. She just can't eat punches. Nunez is in a, is a great striker and she is, she's, she's going to follow the same game plan. The home is like, she's going to need to, she needs the head movements to bait people in now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? She can't just bully her way in to grab people like she could. Probably and she can't not. count on. You know, Kat Zingano running across the cage at her either. No, no, that's very, very true. Um, well, that was a good list. Interested to see how everybody reacts in the comments below. For those of you who are listening to this later after the fact, when we're talking about the comments below, we're talking about the live stream on Facebook. We do it on the Sports Illustrated MMA page. Uh, so we have some people commenting in, uh, asking questions. And before we go into my list, I cool. figured we would um, we would answer their questions. Bob, remember Bob from last yeah, week? Yeah, what's up, Bob? I thought his name was Portuguese. It's actually French. I think he said it was French. I think you thought it was French, and he said it's Portuguese, I think. Bob, correct us now. <laughs> then uh, he asked, with this being Goldie, meaning Mike Goldberg's last pay-per-view, do you guys see Jim Rome taking his spot? And if so, oh how close to $15 million does the UFC pay Rome? <laughs> okay, so. Now that's a rumor that's out there. For yeah, it's, it's a rumor, but as far as I'm concerned, it's a, it's a well-substantiated one because Luke Thomas shortly, uh, a little while ago, said, you know, that's what he's hearing. I haven't actually dug into it i don't know if you have mike but uh you know luke luke's a good reporter and he came out publicly on his facebook page and saying it so i'm assuming he thinks he has good sources so assuming mike goldberg's last uf he started 97 his i think his last ufc event is this one does jim rome replace him i i don't want jim rome i don't want jim rome doing what he already does so i hope to god he doesn't enter enter into a sport he knows even less than the things he's been remarking on ignorantly for the last few decades isn't it is it just me or is it like when i saw the jim rome talks beginning it just seems so such an odd choice it is he's not a play-by-play guy guys i think like the skill like calling a fight or a sporting event play-by-play is very different than adding color commentary Right, like Joel Rogan, or maybe Jim Rome, or Dennis Miller, and Monday Night like Football, Jake or whatever. Or Jake, exactly. It's a very different thing. So, I mean, they could break that. They could host the show, but that's yeah. Karen Bryan's role right now. No, that's true. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I mean, I guess they could break whatever mold they want at any time, right? Right. But it just but. seems like I, mean, I keep trying to picture myself listening to Jim Rome call a fight, and it just I can't wrap my brain around it. I w- I won't do it. Um, I, <laughs> I just keep on thinking. Yeah, I won't do it. I'll just be thinking about his Jim Everett uh, interview forever. Like no, I'm just I'm just putting on a mute or watching the fight companion of Joe Rogan's. Who uh, would you, uh, who would you tag for that role? Good question. We were just talking off air. I think it's a tough spot to fill. Other than, and and by the way, I like Mike Goldberg. I know he gets a lot of flack, but Mike Goldberg has always shown respect to his you know more knowledgeable martial arts experienced uh, you know uh, co uh, you know co broadcaster Joe Rogan. He shows respect to the fighters. I think he's a nice guy and he's an accessible guy. I like Mike Goldberg. I think he's the he's the best that we have in MMA. 
um, for that role. Uh, I also like John Anik a lot, and he's already with the UFC. So to me, that makes the most sense. John Anik does a really good job. Um, I, I think that's I, I, there's no one else on the national or international scene that I know of. There's people I know locally that I think could step into the role, but there's no one I know in that scene other than John Anik and Mike Goldberg who mm-hmm. won't annoy the hell out of me. Yeah, and I can see just seems like the logical choice. You know what I mean? He's already doing it. He already has the experience. I think it's not yeah. something you can just pluck somebody and put them in on these pay-per-view cards. Like, you know, Anik's paid his dues on the fight nights mm. and kind of, like, honed his craft. Not that he necessarily needed to, but, you know, somebody who's never done it before would certainly need to yeah. do it. Or, you know what I mean? You can't just th- – it's like throwing someone in the deep end. I think so. Uh, Bob says it's French, so go. Dang, you, Mike had the better memory. He says Thanks, it's pronounced like the air conditioning company. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's helpful to me, but I'll look him up. Adrian wants to know, who do you guys predict will get knocked out and why? Ever? At UFC 207. Like, of the whole card? Hmm. Yeah. Oh, I hate I hate doing that. Good, perfectly legitimate question, Adrian. And I, I just hate predicting someone getting a concussion. Well, well they might hear it. Uh, I, I think there's fights that uh, there's more likely to be fireworks and not, in which case someone's likely to go out. Honestly, I think the main event... There's a good chance of someone getting hurt. Uh, you know, obvi- you know, both both women are terrors. Once they're on top of you, Ronda's got a great armbar, but I could see them slugging it out for a little bit. And uh, Ronda, again, she may not be the most slick defensive boxer in the world, but she hits very, very hard. Amanda Nunes hits very, very hard. I actually, even though they're both really great grapplers, I could see that one ending in a, in a knockout, one way or the other. I'm gonna go T.J. Dillashaw, huh? And maybe with like a. And Burrell two type mm. huge combination up against the fence, where you he's know the referee steps in. I think no. he's just gonna go for a flurry. Him being on this card and having to mm. watch it all go down and fly under the radar while Cruz and Garbrandt, these two people that he has <laughs> ties to, are fighting in the main event. I just think he's this like extra added motivation. Yeah. And he's just gonna come out and you know try to dominate. I bet he will try. No, try to make point. a statement. That's a good point. So that's my guess, T.J. Dillashaw. Uh, but that's a good segue and transition into our next list, which is uh, fighters to watch. And we're going to try and run through these quickly because we're going to try and get Alex Chambers on the phone. Mm. We just got a message, too, from Alan Joban, by the way. I don't know if this will affect how the order you want to do things. He said he's out of the mountains. Oh. But uh, he's got something pressing. So he's like, the sooner we try him, the more likely he can do it. So it's up to you. But do you want to do you wanna we call try. him to him now? Do you want to try to do that and do the, the, uh, Alex and the, the other list later? Up sure. to you. Yeah? Cool. We can try that. We'll see. But hold that mental place because it is a good segue to the next list, guys. I don't know if you want to. How do I do this sucker? Yeah, just cool. Thank you, sir. All right. We'll see if Alan's able to, to pick up. If you remember, yeah. Alan Joban's coming off a big win a couple weeks ago. Beat Mike Perry. Yeah. Uh, you know, for people who have been uh, following a lot of people, uh, Perry, he's fought a lot. Very yeah. active since he came in, and he's won all his fights up until this one. Up until this one. And, uh, again, was just talking smack. <laughs> oh, man. Alan was just, uh, who's always been a super nice guy, was uh, not hearing it and was <laughs> eager to be the guy to end all that trash talk, and he did in pretty impressive fashion. Let's see, should I put it on speaker? Or no? Oh, no. A- Alan, can you hear us? Yeah, I hear you guys. Hey, sorry, brother. Hey, it's Elias. I'm here with my co-host, Mike Dice. Thanks so much for making time, brother. Not a problem, man. How's things going? 
Good, good. Uh, do, do you guys have a nice holiday weekend up in the mountains? Good, man. Much needed. Needed that kind of R&R time, man. Just kind of get away from everything. Headed, headed back down to L.A. now, though. Awesome. Awesome. I, uh, I want to go back. We were just talking about, Mike was just talking about your, your last fight. Congrats on the win, by the way. A phenomenal fight. Okay. I, I, I heard, I wasn't out there. Neither, uh, neither of us were out there fight week. But we saw, obviously, your opponent do some disrespectful stuff, and I don't know what he was saying at the weigh-ins. But from what I hear, Alan, uh, the, the, the trash and talk and all this stuff went on well before the weigh-ins. In fact, he was, he was actually taunting you guys when he would see you at eating breakfast. And for people who don't understand, there's fighter hotels, and you're kind of a, you, know, you can run into an opponent or an opponent's camp at any given time. Was this, was, was this guy, Perry, really trying to get at you all week long? Yeah, man, and like you said it, like you people don't really realize you're in a fighter hotel and like we were in Sacramento, like Old Town Sacramento, mm. this little Holiday Inn, you know, this wasn't like some huge hotel with some huge lobby. It was the kind of hotel where you're bumping shoulders with everybody, all the other fighters of production, everybody the entire time. I mean, it was raining outside and all that. So we were in the hotel all fight week. And, um, and, and let me get started by saying like, I'm not trying to kick this guy when it's down. I don't care for the guy. I never will. But I don't like, you know what I'm saying, the fight's over. I'm done with it. I've moved on. So I'm not trying to kick him while it's down. But, yeah, man, to, to, to go, to follow up on what you were saying, the guy was just disrespectful all week. And, and I get it, man. Like, you're here to promote a fight. If the camera's on and there's an interview happening and you want to sell the fight a little bit, cool, man, go for it. Um, or something along those lines. Or if you're trying to be um, – if you're just very competitive, I get it. But like, like you were alluding to earlier, like, I mean, like, we're eating breakfast at 8 in the morning. I, know, I don't even know the guy. I've never met the guy, you know what I'm saying? And he's, like, flicking me and my team off, making comments uh, with him and his girlfriend. And his girlfriend's, like, laughing all all this stupid. Like, she's his biggest fan, so it's, like, fueling him like he's doing something really cool. And me and my team are just looking at him like, like, what's wrong with this guy, man? Like, like who? what are you talking trash for at 8 in the morning? Like, save that shit for Saturday. And then... It was just like little incidents like that all the time. You know, every time we brush shoulders in the lobby, he wants to make a little comment, you know, like he's like he, as if he's getting to me. And then, you know, his girlfriend would laugh at everything. And like it was just it, it became very stupid. And it became like to a point where me and my team were like, bro, you got to put this guy away. We cannot lose to this jackass. You know, so it became like where a team, uh, me and my entire team were, were like, Obviously, they were already behind me, but it was like, we cannot lose. It wasn't just, I cannot lose. It was like, we, none of us wanted to lose to this guy because of those reasons. So it made it personal on those reasons. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't hate the guy, but I know what kind of person he is, and we couldn't lose to a guy like that. Hey, Alan, it's, it's Mike here. Uh, just so, you know, the fans who aren't necessarily aware of what actually happens behind stage with the fighters, like, how uncommon is that? Like, what is normal interaction like between fighters at the fighter hotel? Right. So that's no, a good question. I mean, 99% of the times, especially in MMA and martial arts, we're respectful, man, because we all know that, you know, like we're going to run into each other a million times. The UFC might ask us to go do some type of promotional event where we have to stay in the same hotel or do some type of event together. You're going to be interacting and brushing shoulders with a lot of the people in the UFC on, on a regular basis if, if you're fighting there long enough. And so... If you're going to single yourself out and be like, be the Conor McGregor, like, I'm not here to make friends or whatever, I understand. And if that's the route you want to take, but um, it's not going to be a, a joyful path. If, if you're just trying to be enemies with everyone, 
all the time, then it's not going to be a fun path. Conor McGregor, look, if you're going to fight Conor McGregor, you probably hate him. If you're not fighting Conor McGregor, you laugh at all his jokes. I get it. But I felt like at least with Conor McGregor or Shell Sonnen, those guys were like funny. Those guys were kind of like witty. They were like uh, they thought out what they were going to say. And like it was funny. If 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 Mike would have done said some things to me that were kind of like I had to kind of go back and be like, man, that shit was pretty funny. <laughs> Give him a little credit. But like nothing that he said to me was like witty or funny. It was just like stupid. And it was just like it was just kind of get my blood going. You know what I'm saying? And that's that's what he was trying to do. But not only was he. You know, he was thinking my best chance of beating Alan Gilban is to get him worked out, yeah. get, him worked up, get him to stay coach, and then tell me. Oh, it broke up there for a second, Alan. I'm, I'm in the mountains. <laughs> no, it's all good. We heard most of it. I want to ask you. We heard the most of it. I want to ask you, you know, about that. I mean. Um, you know, obviously, uh, especially uh, an aggressive fighter like yourself, you're always looking for the finish. But we were—I I think the fact that you went the distance and you were able to to control uh, a, a really, really dangerous fighter uh, and never overextend yourself and really hurt him several times. He, he the guy's got a crazy chin apparently because you really hurt him and yeah. into the liver and to the chin. But are, are you glad in retrospect that you were able to get uh, three rounds of experience in and to kind of show the world and show yourself that? You can be patient and tactful, not 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 just an action fighter, but a smart action fighter. Yeah, you know, it's it's. I got mixed feelings on this question, man. <laughs> this is the thing. I uh, my entire career have been kind of that action-packed fighter. Either you know, I'm going for a first-round finish, or I'm I'm going for a fight of the night. And I've won a lot of fans from that. Um, this fight, I knew that people were saying, "Don't sleep." I was kind of playing that card with everyone, but really in my mind and with my team, we knew that, okay, we're just going to let everybody think this is going to be a fight of the night, but we weren't looking for a fight of the night. We were looking to put on a clinic. We were looking to to show this guy that there's class, there's levels in this game, and I was on another level. He wasn't ready for me yet. So it was tough for me to kind of submit to that, to kind of much as I want to, I just want to go out there and kick this guy in the head and give the fans what they want. I got to just just keep my composure and, and go, you know, if I take him out, I take him out. But if it goes all three rounds, the least that I get hit and the more that I hit him, that's what we were looking for. We weren't looking for a fight of the night. We were looking for performance of the night. We were looking to outclass the guy. And um, so it was tough for me to kind of like envision that. I don't envision, you know, uh, three round technical fights. I envision these amazing battles and, and, and that's what I feed off of. But with that said, after the fight was over, the, the response that I got from the from the fans and and then um, just the media in general was uh, was pretty gratifying, man. Like like I love when people say like you know you're a beast or fight of the night or like you know you're a savage. Those things are fun, but after this fight, people were saying, "Holy shit!" Allen put on a Muay Thai clinic. Mm. Allen, you know, showed this guy there's there's more levels to this. Allen Joban is super composed. Way to stick to the game plan. Great footwork. Things like that that I didn't normally always get and. Um, to answer your question that was super super gratifying man so going into the fight i was having trouble accepting sticking to the game plan but after the fight it was it was super gratifying to know that people appreciated the subtle things that i was doing in there that i didn't know if they would pick up on but a lot of the fans really picked up on what was happening one of the things i felt you were doing you were you were changing your levels a lot you were obviously doing it with your strikes you would go to the leg 
you beat up that leg. You're going to the liver, you beat up the liver. You're obviously going to the head as well, and, and you really stunned him. You dropped him as well. Um, I'm curious if we could talk about the importance of, of uh, talking about levels, not just between fighters, but levels of, of attack, and also your takedown attempts. Not only did you score a takedown, but you were threatening with them. So now there's that added element of, of offense that people have to account for. W- was all of that intentional, and how important was that to, to you getting the win? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. You know, um, I'm always working on my wrestling, and I'm actually very confident in my wrestling. But just like any fighter, you instinctually have something you feel more comfortable in. And I instinctually, I feel more comfortable in the striking. A, because I've been doing it longer. But B, striking, I mean, um, wrestling is a commitment, man. People don't realize that, like, you know, I know how to control my striking to go three rounds. I know when to pick up the pace, when to kind of pull back a little bit. But I could stay uh, a steady pace for three rounds. But if you commit to a takedown 100% and you get your, your energy level just, just went extremely down, way down. So unless you've been wrestling your whole life, sometimes it's hard to bounce right back, you know. And um, that's always kind of my biggest fear when it mm-hmm. comes to fighting, especially in the UFC is, man, if I commit to some of these takedowns and I don't get it, then my arm is going to be heavy for about 30 seconds and I don't want to get caught slipping. So I usually don't even do it. But with this guy, we knew right away, man, look, I'm a better wrestler than this guy and he's not going to see it coming. He's so stuck on thinking that he's going to knock me out and thinking that I'm going to come in there and try to knock him out that he's not even going to be thinking that I'm going to shoot a takedown. It's the perfect opportunity. Mm-hmm. And then with him, he I've seen all his previous fights, man. Mike is a power puncher. He's got a great chin, but he tires. He tires. As soon as you get him in a grappling exchange, his arms get really heavy, and he gets very predictable. So I was thinking, even if I don't land a takedown with Mike, let me let me let me feint some level changes. Get him thinking about it. If I land a takedown or get him on the ground, make him scramble to his feet, and all of a sudden that um, tighten upright striker becomes a flat-footed, heavy, heavy-handed, you know, uh, heavy arm striker, and that's kind of what happened, man. Like you said, I think I, I went for like three takedowns, got one or two of them, um, and then he got him a lot more flat-footed as the fight went on. So um, it was great, man, and and. and and it helps me and other people that are watching me, uh, uh, particularly other opponents that are watching me, thinking, "Okay, this guy's a striker, but man, he's got the wrestling too." Now there's something, one more, one more piece of the puzzle that they have to figure out. So it's great for me to kind of like get over that hurdle of going for the takedowns in this fight, getting some takedowns, giving me the confidence to go for them moving forward in the future. So we have uh, we're streaming live on the Sports Illustrated MMA Facebook page, and we have some people chiming in in the chat with uh, questions for you. Cool, cool. And they seem uh, really interested in who you would like to fight next. Mike Pendleton actually says, uh, you know, you talked about levels to the game. Your last two fights have been against guys who are relatively new. Is uh, is your eye on any veteran fighter next? Absolutely, man. Um, you know, it's I don't have necessarily i'll give you some names but i don't have necessarily one guy singled out um it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting kind of negotiation because so far with the ufc i've kind of just said look i'll fight whoever the hell you give me and i've always been like that throughout my career but with that said we're also strategic about it we'll look around and say okay who doesn't have fights uh who needs a fight around the same time as me and then out of those guys we'll pick five guys and it will send them to joe silva and say look these five guys need fights. They don't have an opponent yet. Let's fight. I'll fight any of them. So we'll kind of hand the UFC guys, and it'll make their job easier and their favorable matchups for me. You know what I'm saying? So um, it's taking initiative, and we've always kind of taken initiative. Like, look, when this is the 
moving forward, I don't want like I should have been in the rankings after this fight. They didn't give me what I wanted. I think I'm like somebody told me I'm like ranked 17 or something like that. Either way, I'm right on the cuffs of the rankings. I want to fight somebody who's definitely going to project me upward, not just another random guy. I fought two undefeated uh, prospects in a row, and it did not too much for me. So there's guys like Matt Brown, Jake Ellenberger. I got nothing against these guys. I'm fans of watching them fight, but they don't belong in the rankings ahead of me. They don't. They, they, both of them, Matt Brown's coming off for like three or four losses in a row. Jake Ellenberger has lost like five out of his last six. How the hell are they in front of me in the rankings when I've won three in a row and I'm and I've won five out of my last six? Um, it blows my mind, man, and, and it kind of frustrates me that that they're keeping these. They don't, the way I see it, the, re, the reason these guys stayed in the rankings is because they fought stiffer competition than I have. That makes sense, but they still lost, and a loss is a loss, and a win is a win, and I've got more wins and i'm fresher blood they need new blood you can't have the same old stale rankings with guys that are losing one after another after another and then not dropping down um places spots you need to put new guys in the division and shake things up and that's what i can do for the division um so with that said man obviously uh a matt brown or a jake ellenberger just makes sense because they're number 14 and 15 and they have losses and i've got wins but uh the guy the fight that i i, have, I probably have my eyes on the most this weekend is um the stun gun, the stun gun, mm. and uh, the Korean guy, the stun gun, he's fighting, um, I can't think of his name all of a sudden, but he's fighting on this car with Ronda Rousey, yep. December 30th, and uh, the two guys that are fighting, the stun gun's ranked like ninth or something, and he's fighting a guy who's ranked like 11th, so um, either of those guys, uh, the winner of that one would be a, um, an intriguing matchup, because that would, you know, the winner of that one would probably be somewhere like a ranked around 7, 8, or 9, and and a win over them would project me into the top 10, hopefully. So, um, yeah, man, those are kind of like the three guys I kind of have my eye on is uh, Jake, Matt Brown, uh, and maybe the winner of the stun gun in his fight. So um, either way, it's, whoever they offer me, I, I would like it to be somebody that's going to that's gonna push me further in the rankings. I'm tired of just fighting to fight. You know, I'm trying to get somewhere closer to the belt. You know, like uh, you have this potential star power. The UFC loves to create stars and push stars, and you have that. Mm -hmm. And – is it kind of frustrating seeing the UFC squander that opportunity? Like, I'm, we're going into the fight on Friday, uh, UFC on Fox 22, and mm -hmm. you, I see you in a commercial for uh, some <laughs> other product, you know, from your modeling gigs, and I'm explaining to my fiance, I'm like, yeah, this guy, he's a UFC fighter, he's fighting uh, this weekend. You know, like, you have all this this reach. Are they, are they wasting that opportunity by not giving you into the rankings and keeping those same names there? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I see it 100% that way. Um, I feel like they're catching on though, man. Um, it's like, um, they didn't see me initially as a star and they treated me as they did the other 600 guys in, in, in the, in the organization. And I feel like slowly I've had to just kind of chip away at it. You know, I've just said like me and my manager, we, we, we get pissed off about it and we say, you know, screw it. We're just gonna, if they're not going to recognize us, we're going to make them recognize us. So we do it. We do everything on our own. You know, we went and we got that Versace contract, the commercial that you saw. We did that. We got that done on our own. We put together these win streaks on our own. We did all these uh, Equinox jobs and all these little things, and, and we always send it to the UFC. We're always sending everything that what I'm doing in and outside of the cage to the UFC to let them to let them know, be aware, man. Like um, there's potential here, and you can promote this. Why aren't you promoting it? 
And um, that was part of the reason, man, that of where I fought my last fight. That uh, that that Fox 22 card on Big Fox in Sacramento, we handpicked that one. I didn't care who I fought, but we we called the UFC and said, "Look, I want to fight December 17th because it's close to home and it's on Big Fox, and that's a new market, that's a, a new audience that I haven't tapped into yet, and I want I want to kind of make my name known on this card. I'll take whoever you got. They gave me Mike Perry, and we accepted it." But um, for me, it was more like, you know what, I want to fight on, on mainstream TV. And I knew there was a bunch of welterweight fights on that card as well. So I was kind of thinking, if we can kind of stand out above all the other welterweight, kind of put the whole division on check, because there was like five or six welterweight fights, let them know, look, this is the most dangerous welterweight that we watched tonight. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we did that, you know what I mean? So I, I'm definitely doing everything that I can. But I, I, I feel like since my fight... Um, the UFC has kind of been responding. I've noticed it, man. I just, I've noticed Dana White gave me a phone call the other day and left a message for me about some stuff. And I'm, uh, whereas before, you know, I wasn't really dealing with Dana. I'd be dealing with Joe and stuff like that. So I kind of, I can kind of feel the, the tides turning, so to speak, that they realize, okay, you know what? Alan's a guy that's been knocking on the door and, uh, we got it. We got to work with him now. So hopefully we'll see in the new year, man, if, if things have changed. That's awesome. Well, you cer- it's certainly well-earned, man. Like you said, you won five out of your last six, um, a few straight now. Um, Alan, we really appreciate you taking time, man, in, in the midst of the holidays. I hope you guys have a, a good rest of, uh, of your week and, and a happy new year, and uh, we'll, we'll love to have you on anytime again, man. No, of course, guys. I appreciate it. I've been doing the uh, family vacation mode for about a <laughs> week now. It was kind of good to talk some fighting again. It gets the wheels <laughs> the wheels turning again. <laughs> I might have to go to the gym tonight now. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Well, thanks again. All right, guys. Y'all Peace. take care. You too. Wow, great stuff. Yeah, great guy. He's he always he always seems to speak pretty honest about stuff, you know. Yeah, the uh, it's really interesting. You see this tide shifting with fighters becoming more conscious of the business side of things. Mickey Gall calling yeah. for fights. You know, he called for CM Punk. He called for Station Northcutt. He was able to kind of dictate his career a little bit. But it's also interesting to hear him explain his thought process. Mm-hmm. We picked this event because yeah. we wanted to be exposed in this uh, to this audience. And we pick uh, these fighters, and this is why. And, you know, we pick a list of names, and we send it to him. Um, and he said that he picked the Sacramento fight. Uh, event to be featured on but no. he didn't necessarily pick Mike Perry and I think he almost maybe lucked out by getting Mike mm-hmm. Perry because Mike Perry was somebody who had gotten a lot of attention having fought at 202 and yep. 204 looking great before yeah yeah you know uh, was kind of came out of nowhere was seemed to have a rising star really fast and it seemed like he was able to pick the event and get a good opponent yeah. that was able to elevate his profile a little bit absolutely um, and he's a, he makes a really good point about the rankings it's a little bit ridiculous like I have a lot of respect for Matt Brown but and for Jake Ellenberger, but to have several people with losing streaks in the top ten, the top twelve, and someone who's won five or six not in the top fifteen is well, just strange. And, but those are really bad rankings. The people on it are largely unqualified, <laughs> and it's all it's a shame that they, they that they matter so much. The UFC quote unquote official rankings we're talking about. We'll we'll have our own soon, right, Mike? Yeah, I've long thought about that. But you no. know, like a guy Matt Brown who's lost some fights, he's down there, but he's. You know, he's fought Jake Ellenberger. That's Jake Ellenberger's one win. Right, you right. Know, and it's, just, it's a weird cycle. Like, it's not to disrespect any of them, because I still feel like Matt, Matt Brown in any given day is as good as anyone. It wasn't too long ago he barely lost to Robbie Lawler. He's well, amazing. It, just to put it in perspective, I'm looking at Matt Brown right now. He's one in five in his last six fights. Right, and he's definitely it's, at stiffer competition. Definitely. But, but it's like, at what point does a guy get a chance in the top 15? Lawler, Hendricks, yeah. Maya, 
Donald Cerrone yeah. are all are four of those five losses. <laughs> it doesn't get better than that, right? right. Yeah, yeah, I mean that's a murderer's row right there. Exactly. Uh, but you know, you also lost to Jake Ellenberger, and sure. and let's be fair, was what was a back against the wall fight for him. Sure. Um, sure. For Jake Ellenberger, and Jake is Jake is an amazingly dangerous guy too. It's just it, like like Alan said, it's like when does a guy, a new guy, get a chance to be in the top thirteen? Right. right? But see, that's the other thing. Like you mentioned, the voters there there just needs to be a stricter process. For voting like right. I don't know why these guys that vote were picked and you can go through to the rankings page and like look at the list of names by picking the drop down menu to right. see how they rank things but it's like you know he, being in MMA media some of these people like most of these people I've never heard of yeah and well they, they not to be disrespectful because there's a lot of media out there or anything but you know yeah. like, why aren't the the bigger people the big the people who are considered the great minds of the sport weighing in it like why does well, most Joe of them, Rogan rank why doesn't yeah. Uh, an Ariel Hawani or a Luke Thomas or um, a John Morgan or a Mike Bond and you know these people you're going to answer some of that I don't know about all of those guys but I know for myself and some of the guys you mentioned they, they turned it down because it'd be unethical to take part in these things so you've, you're already a second rate journalist as far as I'm concerned if you're doing something, if you're taking part in something the UFC is monetizing, that the UFC um, is using to well, determine I don't think that's necessarily fair because like I, I don't I th- think it's un- well, I think, an ethical uh, before- thing because, like, if you compare it to college sports, yeah, like there's two two major polls um, before they get to the college football right. playoff selection committee, in which case they have a 13 person thing. Which there might be some unethical questions there because some of them are commissioners for leagues or yeah, no, uh, there certainly are athletic directors for specific schools yeah. that are on that committee. But you know, like the AP poll right. has been long considered one of the most reliable college football polls for. Um, 80 plus years and that's the Associated Press writers voting for it yeah, another major one is it's done better USA Today coaches poll yeah, yeah, um, yeah. where it's coaches voting uh, but that's so- not what this is this is the UFC created rankings that's the point and they, the UFC a lot of times they, like they do with Usada they go in and they manipulate it regardless of what the voting says like when Nate Diaz yeah, is trying to renegotiate like, but it's like if you're gonna have media vote like get the right media members otherwise just stop well, they try, and I like for example, I was asked to be hit, and I said no for really? ethical reasons. Yeah, I was asked by the UFC, I was asked by Fox when I was at Fox Sports, and I listed out in a letter to a VP like why I wouldn't do it. My colleague as well, I don't know that he'd mind me saying it. Had similar at the time, said similar reasons. So, really, really good guys and gals don't want to be a part of that because it's 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 not good company because the UFC has shown that whatever the media where whatever the votes. Um, come in, they'll manipulate it and change it uh, in order to to benefit them if they're re- negotiating with a fighter like they did with with Nate Diaz a few years ago. So the AP poll, USA Today poll, those are done better for more right. years with more integrity. This one is something it's also that not the we've NCAA seen. running the poll. Yeah, exactly. That's a very important thing. So it's structurally set up better. I'm not saying media can't take part in rankings that have an impact in the sport. I'm not saying that right. at all. I'm just saying these particular rankings are not done well. So they turn off. Good people, some good people. Maybe that's that's our niche. Yeah, we'll just start pulling. Yeah, the, media the, the solid like ones. This list. I think but we the, could do it. The uh, there's a guy, Izzy Garcia, who does. Uh, he has this uh, Elo system rankings. Yeah, uh, you know, I've read a little about it, but it kind of factors in, um, you know, opponents' strengths and whatnot, and how much a win's truly valued. Mm. You know, obviously, if you're Nate Diaz and you beat Conor McGregor, it's worth more than, you know. Um, somebody fighting on a lower card fighting yeah. low talent or whatnot and uh, it's interesting to see how uh that system of ranking ranks the fighters differently and i remember seeing one at one point in time 
the top fighter at lightweight and welterweight, according to this ranking system, was Donald Cerrone, <laughs> which was <laughs> I thought was interesting. Now, obviously, <laughs> Good they kind of <laughs> because like they kind of benefit each other because yeah. you're mixing both his, um, his fight resumes. Yeah. You know, he's got fights in both divisions, so that inputs. It's not like just his welterweight yeah, yeah, fights yeah, are being yeah, yeah. Uh, weight weathered there, but like you know, it's interesting. You can go through and see who's can, like the champion and where they actually rank, and they. They might, even though they're the champion, aren't the t- automatically the top ranked fighter. It's interesting, and uh, mm. you know, but it's it's more mathematical, and it takes the kind of like uh, human elements, or mm-hmm. um, you know, like I'm going to rationalize why I'm going to put mm-hmm. Rousey ahead of you know Holly Holm or that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, anything that's thoughtfully done is interesting to me, right? Like if you're really right. trying something, that's cool. I and, that. and the other thing is like it factored in uh, fighters from other promotions, so like you uh, could see cool. um, like some of the deeper divisions in Bellator, like you could see where those fighters were stacking up in the rankings. That's You've cool. seen Sure Dog and some other yeah. organizations do their own rankings they too. They do a good job, right. That yeah. mix um, multiple promotions as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. No, that's good. We should probably turn our attention back to 207 and, and give Alex Chambers a call, see if she's around. Sure. Right? Yeah, let's save her. Hit her up. I got to check a, take a closer look at those uh, ELOs. Let's see. Yeah, it's, it's a cool project, but, I, I mean, I imagine for, you know, he's doing it by himself or one person to be doing it by himself is just a – considerable yeah. like a nightmare logistically to, I bet uh, it is I bet it is well I don't hear the dialing I hear it saying connect oh it's because uh, oh is it let's see if we can but I always thought like BC but hello Alex it's Elias and Mike Dice how are you doing great thanks for uh for being on the show sorry we called you later than we expected we were chatting with alan joban before and uh it was a good convo and we ended up a little later but uh thanks for making time for you're all the way in another part of the world too so it's early in the morning for you isn't it yeah it's early in the morning <laughs> thanks so much for having me on the show it's not too early um actually uh i'm getting used to the early mornings you know the travel back and forth um from the u.s is uh, helped the jet lag has helped me become more of a morning person. <laughs> My dog makes me become a morning, morning person. He won't <laughs> let me sleep in any day. <laughs> so, Alex, we know you were injured and, and had surgery, and but we also, you know, been seeing that you're you've been training a lot again. How's the work going, and and how are you feeling physically and and mentally as you as you kick things back into higher gear? catching up with family and friends while I'm here, um, drinking a lot of the coffee here, <laughs> uh, but that helps with training too. <laughs> um, no, training's going really well. Uh, I feel I'm getting stronger every day. Um, you know how it is with training, uh, the, more you, the more you get into a routine and the more you do things, the more confident you get, and mm. that's what helps mentally. Um, so things are looking good um i'm feeling i'm feeling good so i'm actually you know i'm I'm looking forward to getting back in the cage and doing what i love that's awesome to hear and and you you know and i've chatted a bit offline um about about training from time to time and it seems like you're in a really like among other things like a creative phase in your training you're 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 getting you know, better and getting time in with, with some areas that maybe you hadn't before. Um, it, 
do you, and you talk about like the things you pick up when you're at American Top Team, the things back with your head coach in, in Australia. How does this period of, of learning compare to other phases of your career? Like, do you feel like you've, uh, in addition to recovering and, and, you know, convalescing and all that from injuries, do you feel like you've been learning an exceptional amount and improving an exceptional amount with your skills in comparison to other parts of your career? I've been learning new things, uh, you know, learning things with it my whole whole life. But injuries are often can often be a blessing in disguise. You know, they allow you to work on different areas of your game that you usually wouldn't work on. Um, you know, they kind of force you to work on those things because you're not able to do what you usually do because of the injury. So, um, I mean, also. The fact that I haven't had a fight, the fact that I'm focusing on, on you know, getting stronger and the fo- you know, focusing on rehab, um, those times allow you to, you know, be more creative. Usually, when you have a fight, you know, when you're in fight camp, um, there's you know, there's a lot of pressure on you. Also, you know, you have your particular opponent that you're fighting and. Mm-hmm. There's not there's not much room for creativity and trying new things. You know, things are very kind of planned out in your fight camp. So, I've you know the, I've been using that this time while I don't have a fight to uh, yeah to to try new things to you know to you know work around my injury and um, make that stronger and just like you said, uh, just be a little bit more creative. That's exciting. We, you, I know offline you told us New Year's is all about UFC 207 for you. Of course, as a member of American Top Team, you're, you're teammates and friends with the bantamweight world champion Amanda Nunes. Do you feel, we've talked about, we talked about this, I believe, before she fought Misha Tate at UFC 200 and ended up becoming, winning and becoming the, uh, the champion. Do you feel that once again Amanda Nunes is largely being underestimated considering how little attention she seems to be getting? Uh, I, don't, I don't think anyone's underestimating her. I mean, I definitely... I mean, the only, the only uh, important thing here is if Ronda Rousey's underestimating her. It doesn't matter who else is underestimating her. Um, and I don't think Ronda Rousey's underestimating her at all. So... Uh, you know, they're both. This is this is the biggest fight of their lives. Um, and after everything, you know, they've done in the past. You know, this this is the only fight that matters. So after everything, um, you know, that people have brought up, it all doesn't matter. You know, they're all non-factors. What matters is this fight, and that's that's all they're both focusing on. Is it almost unfair to Amanda Nunes that Ronda Rousey has? like refuse to do media that she's preventing Nunes from being able to enjoy the spotlight and introduce herself to new fans? Um, I don't think uh, Rhonda is, um, there's any bad, you know, I don't think she's doing it on purpose to try, you know, Rhonda Rousey isn't um, disappearing from the spotlight, you know, to generate attention for herself. I think, um, 
she's just honoring what she's gone through, um, you know, in this past year. You know, this is what a loss feels like. Uh, you know, it's um, it's it's painful. There's nothing glorious about losing. There's nothing proud to be about it. Uh, you know, I think um, it's it's. You know, she lost like a champion, and she's going to come back. You know, like a former world champion. Uh, so I don't think there's any bad intentions with Ronda. You know, being, you know, disappearing from the, you know, you know, avoiding the media. I think it's just, you know, she's staying true to herself. Uh, but Tati, is it unfair to Amanda? Um, I mean, Amanda's just going to go with the flow. Like I said before, the most important thing is the fight. And that's all she'd be focusing on. What's the, you know, for, for fans that... They both can have as much media as they want after the fight. <laughs> that's very true, yeah, right? What, fans haven't gotten a great, a, a great look. A lot of fans haven't gotten a great look into Amanda's life yet and, and, and heard many of her interviews and stuff. And Oh, we may have lost her. Let's see. I think I heard the little scap go out. Can you hear us, Alex, or did you lose you? Yeah, we may have lost her. We'll try it again real quickly here. Hmm, may have lost reception. I'll try it again in a moment. Um, I thought, but she's being very magnanimous for it too, right? To not think, to take things personal. I think that's a good point. We always talk about everything in opposition to another thing in fighting, but saying, well, Rhonda's not doing this to hurt Amanda. That's an interesting distinction there. Right. Let's see. Oh, she looks like she's calling back. Alex, can you hear you? Can you hear us? Uh, yeah, yeah. Cool. We lost you. Sorry about that. Um, gosh, I don't know what you lost. No, no, no worries. I, were, I was in the middle of a rambling question. What I was, <laughs> what I was going to ask is, what's the, who's the Amanda Nunes uh, you know as a teammate? I don't think many fans have gotten a real good picture of, of, of her. They haven't seen a ton of interviews with her, haven't gotten a lot of moments uh, with her, like intimate glimpses. Who's the Amanda Nunes you know in the training room as a friend, as a teammate? What's she like? Yeah, I mean, she's a... She... I remember um, watching... Uh, I was over at her house watching UFC 193 when Holly fought Ronda Rousey. And, um, I mean, I'll never forget the words that came out of Amanda's mouth, but that belt will be mine when she was watching, when she saw, you know, Holly win the belt. And it wasn't much the words, but the deliberate intent she had in those words that, you know, um, was the big deal. And that desire reflects in the way she trains and the way she, you know, prepares for her fights. And also, not only that, in the way that she treats treats others. And that's probably the most um, remarkable thing about her. You know, she's a, such a good friend and she's a true champion and... Um, inside and outside of the octagon so i'm lucky to you know be able to call her my teammate and my friend before we let you go alex what obviously you you favor uh, the champion to defend defend her belt successfully it's a tough we were just talking about what a what a tough uh fight this is to to predict from the outside for us what about this matchup um do you like uh for amanda nunes what do you think is going to make it her night I mean, 
obviously, um, you know, I, I get, I don't, you, you mentioned she's my teammate and friend, so everyone be warm. You know, I'm going to be biased and I'm also a big fan of Ronda Rousey. So this is such an exciting fight for me to see and such an exciting fight for fans. Um, I, I think just Amanda has risen to ev every challenge that she's been given and she's not only met every expectation, but she's exceeded them. And so I think we're going to see the same here. Uh, they're both going to bring the best out of each other, uh, as cliche as, as that is. Um, but, um, you know, <laughs> perhaps, you know, I'm just, I, I, I see a, you know, I see a TKO or a K, KO in the early rounds. Um, and I don't know if that's, uh, I don't know if that's just me, um, <laughs> me wanting, wanting it to <laughs> sooner so that I don't have to stress out as, as much. So, um, I just think that she's, you know, she's getting, she's better and better and she's exceeded expectations and we'll see, we'll see her, uh, her at the top of her game here. Well, we've been on with Alex Astrogirl Chambers, a, a teammate of Amanda Nunes, who's defending her bantamweight world title this Friday against uh, Ronda Rousey at UFC 207. Alex, thanks so much for taking time and we're really, really looking forward to following your progress and, 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 uh, and your hopeful soon return to action. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Thank and you. Enjoy the fights uh, on the weekend. Thanks. You also, Alex. Take care. Th thanks. Bye. Bye. Interesting, interesting insight from uh, Nunez's teammate. Yeah, it was like that, that like intangible quality that she was saying, hey, Amanda just always rises to the challenge. And so I don't know exactly how it's going to happen, but I bet she's going to rise to this challenge as well. I mean, I'm definitely really intrigued. Everybody yeah, 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 well yeah. is intrigued by this fight. Um, well, let's run through. We're running a little late, and we don't want to take the show too long. So let's kind of run into um, our next segment. Yes, please. Which is a top five fighters to watch um, list. I'll just kind of go through the list and give my reasoning, and then you can tell me where I'm an idiot <laughs> afterwards. I'm sure I'll like your list. Uh, so first, uh, number five on my list, I have Neil uh, Magny. He's coming off a loss. Um, how does he bounce back? He, I think it was like 10 of 11 before that last one had this incredible streak. You know, can he bounce back and get on that kind of run or is he going to kind of go through a little, um, downturn here? Uh, next kind of cliche maybe, but it's his opponent, Johnny Hendricks. He's, uh, you know, on a two fight losing streak. He's one and three in his last four fights. You know, he's struggling to find his footing. Can he bounce back? Yeah. Is it, you know, it's a tough opponent. It's a tough test for Neil, but it's, you know, he's in kind of a back against the wall situation himself. Uh, so that's somebody, in, you know, interesting. I think the two of them having so much to fight for is going to make that a compelling matchup. Uh, number three, TJ Dillashaw. My reasoning for him is because he felt like this title shot was his. He's on the card with uh, Cruz fighting his former teammate, Cody Garbrandt. He feels like he doesn't, he didn't lose to uh, Dominic Cruz. Uh, he feels like Garbrandt doesn't deserve it, but he's been left out. He's the odd man out in this kind of like triangle for the title. So will it be a distraction or will it be a motivation factor? How does he handle that uh knowing that that fight's um going on the same night that he's fighting True. cody garbrandt for a lot of the reasons why you mentioned during the first list you know uh can he you know this is a huge spotlight the biggest fight of his career can he handle the spotlight uh you know arguably one of the great greatest fighters of all time maybe the best bantamweight of all time mm -hmm. um i don't think many people would dispute that 
uh, you know, huge test. How does he rise to the challenge? He's never gone five rounds. The conditioning, can he game plan for a specific opponent like this? There's just so many questions, and uh, the spotlight's going to be, you know, so bright because of the main event. Can you, uh, can he handle that? Can he weather that? And number one for me, Ronda Rousey, fighters to watch. Uh, obviously, she's the star of the event. It's, you know, why a lot of people want to watch. Dana White famously said that uh, Ronda Rousey returning would be the biggest event in history of the sport, the promotion. Um, but I, I put her on this list mainly because of what you uh, alluded to in your list. How does she react post-fight? Uh-huh. How does she, um, you know, how does she handle whether she wins or loses? If she wins, is she um, grateful and gracious to come back? Or is she still mad at the world and media? You know, wh- where is she going to be at if she wins? If she loses, you know, how is she going to handle it this time around? She's you know, had a lot of time to think about how that loss processed the second time. And, you know, and it's not the first loss, so it will be less dramatic. How to, you know, there's just yeah. there's a lot of questions if she wins and loses. Um, what will her attitude be like in the cage? A lot of people ripped her for not tapping gloves. Will she tap gloves? There's just a lot of yeah. stuff going on. You know, is she is she a changed fighter? Is she the same mm-hmm. old fighter? Um, so That's a great list. I, I like it. And, and the, 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 the lower three on that list show what a great what, what great depth this card has. Right. There's phenomenal fighters. Even below the, the the co and and main events, and you know you could put Amanda Nunes on oh, there sure. for the same reasons sure. you're putting Cody. You yeah, know, right. it's a tough fight. The spotlight. You're not even in that promo for the fight. You know, <laughs> right. um, until they show the stare down graphic at the end. Like who's that woman that's staring right. down Ronda Rousey? Like, Ronda Rousey has to fight someone. Everybody <laughs> understands that, right? Like, she's not just gonna shadow box and Dana White's gonna come in and strap the belt. But it's a big open workout. Um, yeah, you know, so you could put her on there. But I, you know, I think she's shown like composure and whatnot. And there's maybe less question marks. Around her, so mm. I don't know. That's just the, the theory I of why that, I made uh, my list the way I did. So no, I dig it. I think it's great. Who did I, I leave off that you would put on? Uh, I, I mean, also left off Cruz. Yeah, I think you know Cruz and Nunes. You're mentioning now for sure. But I, I we talked about them earlier. I love that you have Neil Magny and that you have Johnny Hendricks on that list. I think it's a it's a really cool fight. I think it's a really important fight for both men. I think they're both really great fighters to watch. That's important. You know, and I think a lot of MMA fans, they they focus, they're so top-heavy, the title fights yeah. and that kind of thing. That You know, that fight, Hendricks was a big name. He's kind of dropped off. Neil's maybe not as big of a name. Yeah. But there's so much on the line for that fight that it instantly becomes, it's like a title fight because sure. there's so much on the line for each of those guys. For I don't sure. think either one of them's in jeopardy of being cut if they lose. But, no, no. you know, as a competitor, there's yeah. a lot on the line for those Go guys. Go forward, yeah, 100%. That'll be the biggest win of, of, of Neil Magny's career, should he get it. And the other thing uh, we wanted to do before we go is uh, there was trending on Twitter, oh, hashtag yeah. 2016 in four words. <laughs> um, so we just kind of wanted to weigh in on our thoughts of 2016 in four words and what uh, ours were for those respective things. Do you want to go first or you want me to go first? You can go first, Mike. Mine was all about Conor McGregor. <laughs> uh, I mean, he dominated. Uh, it was he came into the year looking for that second title. Uh, the Diaz storyline uh, dominated the majority of the year. Uh, he wasn't at UFC 200, and he loomed over that event, even though he wasn't on the card. He was supposed to be. He got pulled. Uh, he was able to beat uh, Nate Diaz in August, the month after that card, and then before. There's a chance for the Conor McGregor hype to die down. He's being thrust into UFC 205 at the end of September mm-hmm. um, when it was announced. And they were doing the press conference at the beginning of October, end of that month, or end of September. And then, of course, he had his historic moment. The UFC kind of let him do whatever he wants with the exception of the press conference standoff for UFC 200 that ultimately cost him to be off that card. But, I mean, fighters 
fighters talked about him. You, you know, Jeremy Stevens calling him out on the stage at UFC 205. Uh, you know, everybody in two divisions, three divisions were talking right. about wanting to fight this guy. And, you know, it seems like you can't have an interview with somebody in the UFC in those three weight classes without having to at, talk about Conor McGregor at some point. And, uh, you know, he just dominated. He dominated from a company perspective. He dominated from uh, the two title historic moment perspective. You know, he's just it was a Conor McGregor year. Yeah, I will. That is, those are the correct four words. Like, so mine are less less apt than yours because that's that's a hundred percent true. Like, I, I couldn't choose a better subject matter to, to kind of typify the year in, in MMA. Um, but below that, what I was thinking is, um, I'm trying to be clever. I had uh, I didn't quite get it because I'm like a ninety year old man with the internet. I just gave like four random words that related in my head. Michael was like, "Well, look at what other people are doing on Twitter." So I tried to make a sentence out of my four words, not like Mike did. And when I did that, I came up with. Uh, uh, let's see if I can keep the count count to four. Uh, new bosses, same problems. The, the UFC has has new important people in key positions from the, the PR side, the matchmaking um, uh, executive side, uh, all the way up to ownership. They're now owned by WME, IMG, a Hollywood uh, agency, a giant. And uh, there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of new things on the horizon, but there's still the same issues. They're going to have to deal with fighter um, discontent rising. They're going to have to deal with fighters being upset at their relatively low pay with, with no real benefit package post-retirement. They're going to have to deal with the same problems promotions always deal with, which is last-minute replacements, uh, people not accepting a fight. All that type of stuff is a really, really tough uh, administrative job. Uh, and, and, and they're going to have to deal with um, inconsistencies in drug testing with, with USADA, with, with fighters popping uh, at the last minute with critics of the way things are done. Uh, there's, there's a lot of the same stuff um, with, with new owners, and it'll be very interesting to see how well WME, IMG, one, just does the job of promoting fights because that's something they've never done before. And I know there's Dana White's still the president. And I don't know that we've actually seen them been able to do that yet. It's no. It's very old school. Yeah, so. no, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, there are some changes coming now, even maybe on the broadcast side. So it would be interesting to see how well they do that, what things they know to leave well enough alone, what things they, they change, and, and how well they deal with some some real important considerations coming down the, the line, like fighters looking to, to form associations or unions, like lawsuits, class action lawsuits against them, like con- people in Congress uh, Congress uh, men and women trying to include MMA under the Ali Act, which has all sorts of uh, provisions that the UFC would currently be in violation of. In fact, their ownership would probably be against federal law, this or boxing. So there's a lot of important fights happening outside the ring, and it's a very tough job to be a promoter at this stage. So it's very, very interesting. Um, some of it's encouraging, some of it's discouraging. It'll be fascinating to watch in the That's new year. Same problem, new owners. You know, you kind of touched on this, the unions yeah. that's been lingering. Sure. Stars. Like, yeah. Ra- what if Rousey loses and she's gone? You exactly. know, then John Jones, he's unreliable. He's, you're running with Jess Connor and he wants time off, supposedly. Yeah. You know, no, that's a tough job. Things. Yeah. Well, uh, that wraps up the show. You know, we were uh, expecting just Alex Chambers to call in. We were hopeful that Alan Joban would call in. We got both. Uh, we got to do our lists. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed a kind of a different spin on previewing the fights. We're going to kind of do more segments like that. We have more segment ideas uh, that we're going to kind of do to change things up. It won't always be lists. It'll be different things. 
Um, Sometimes we're arm wrestle, you know. Yeah, and for those of you <laughs> listening on the podcast, uh, you can always watch live on the Facebook uh, Sports Illustrated MMA Facebook page at 2 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Eastern. Um, you can also, if you're watching live, you can subscribe on iTunes. You can subscribe on Google Play. We're in the Stitcher app. We're in the TuneIn app. Um, and we upload the show, uh, the video to YouTube as well on the YouTube fan sided page. Um, if you want to call in and leave a question with a, in a message in a voicemail, you can do so. And we'll take that audio and we'll upload it to the show. We'll play your question on air and then we'll try to answer your question on air. If you're not able to watch live and ask questions in the comments below, uh, to do that, you can do that at the number 815-570-3923. Again, that's 815-570-3923. Two, three. And uh, thank you everybody for watching. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and rate and review. Uh, we'll see you next week.